Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, it's Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law Podcast, and welcome to today's episode. I'm super excited because today we have our first official guest here on the Life in Law Podcast. And we are interviewing a colleague, a former client, and a friend, Jim Chester. And I brought him on specifically because I wanted you to see an actual example of what it means to redefine success for yourself from the inside out. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about it. And I understand that sometimes it's a little difficult to figure out, well, what does that actually look like in real life? So I wanted to bring somebody on who's done it for himself. So here is my interview with Jim. Just listen through. We actually talked for over an hour. So I had to do some pretty severe editing to get it at a reasonable length. But I edited as much as I absolutely could and everything in here is really helpful I feel so please do listen to the whole thing and at the end I'm going to come back in here and make a couple of big picture points that I really hope that you take away from the episode so here is my interview with Jim so hey there Jim everybody I have my first official guest on the life and law podcast give a big welcome to Jim Chester a, a former colleague a friend and actually a former client as well Hey, well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on, Heather. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this. I am an attorney. And although I generally don't define myself that way, it's, you know, you, know, you have to throw that out there first as I'm an attorney. I've been practicing for 20 plus years, mostly technology, transactional work, intellectual property and that sort of thing, corporate stuff. I, I like to say I do good mood law, um, not litigation, that sort of thing. Usually people come to me, expand a business or to grow in a new area. Um, but I've also been a, a professor, an adjunct professor for 20 years, uh, but Baylor Law School and most recently at SMU Cox School of Business, teaching business <laughs> students law and entrepreneurial law. Um, and in addition, I am um, an entrepreneur myself. I have several ventures that I've founded or co-founded, including a couple that I'm working on now. I'm also the father of four children and uh, the <laughs> husband of one wife. <laughs> and so uh, I have a very active uh, life, but I'm, I would be bored any other way. You have a very busy life. Uh, you have a lot of different interests. <laughs> You're not just a lawyer. You don't define yourself really as a lawyer in the same way a lot of lawyers, I think, do. That's one of the reasons I actually decided to bring you on as my first guest. So a couple of episodes back, I talk about redefining success and doing it kind of from the inside out and what that really means. But it's a difficult concept. So if, if, if any of you have not listened to the episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to episode 12 either before you listen to this or even after you listen to this, because it it's kind of that guidepost for how to do it for yourself. But because that can be hard to understand, I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to bring somebody who's done it, who did it. So I said, we work together. You had actually already kind of done this for yourself before we even worked together. We worked together more on business development, on client development side. 
you're a really good example of somebody who's really busy, who has a lot of different interests and has really redefined what success means for yourself, not based on what everybody else wants, especially most lawyers, but based on, on your interests, your needs, your values, and the things that are most important to you. So let's just dive right in. I would love to know how you currently define success. Best way to describe it is it's the progressive achievement of worthwhile goals. Okay. And and what and the, the broken breaking that down, um, it, it there's really two pieces. Progressive achievement means it's no destination. It's something that you're constantly working on. You're moving toward like uh, like a horizon. The closer you get to it, the further it gets away from you. So accepting that was a was a fundamental change in the way I look at things. Um, but the biggest part for me was the whole worthwhile goals. Thing. So worthwhile goals is where I really started thinking about what is important to me. And that really started me down a path that, that I never realized how far, <laughs> how far I would go down that path because it started innocently enough, you know, uh, it wasn't a, a philosophy class or anything like that where I'm thinking, you know, what is it all about or what is it? But that's what it eventually led to was, you know, why am I doing this? Um, I started to question the, the status quo. You know, my, like a lot of lawyers, I was driven by achievement. You know, I, I just achieved for the sake of achieving. The, you know, I, I wanted to impress myself. I want to impress my family. I want to impress people around me. And so just achieve, achieve, achieve. When in doubt, achieve more. And that'll make everything all right. That's success, right? And I realized in, in, and it wasn't one thing that led me to this. It wasn't like, you know, I know that you have a very, you've been very candid with, with some of the things that, you know, challenges you faced in your life that really made you reevaluate some of the things that you thought were important and, re, and kind of reorient what you wanted to do with your life, not just your goals, but also like, what do I need to be doing? And, and for me, it wasn't one single thing. It was, it was a lot of things. It was just getting older, becoming a father, trying to reevaluate what, what should I be for this, for these children? What do I need to be for my family? Is it just a checkbook and an empty, you know, empty seat at the dinner table? Cause I'm out just trying to make money and you know, what really matters in this life for me. And so I, I started with this under this, I guess this path where I reoriented my thinking away from what I call objective definitions of success mm -hmm. to more subjective definitions. And basically it means what the world defines as success and also what I thought I should define as success. You know, my, my biggest challenge has never been other people's opinion of me. It's my opinion of what I'm supposed to be. Uh, that's always been the biggest issue. And, and that's driven by what I think other people want me to be. And okay, I was about I to ask to you to differentiate. What what does that <laughs> <Yeah>. mean? <laughs> right. It's 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 it was it's my expectations of when I was younger or when I before I kind of went down this path is that these are the things I'm supposed to achieve. These are these are this is what success means. It means so many digits in your bank account. It means a mm -hmm. title. It means awards or whatever. That's and and even though I've been on this path for you know five or ten years now. Um, it still comes up. So it's not that, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a monster that I've locked in the closet. I finally got into that closet, but it's there. And if I don't watch mm -hmm. that closet, it'll get out. And those, those same doubts come back through there. So I started redefining success based on what, what I wanted to achieve with my life. And so when mm -hmm. I say, when I, and I say it's progressive achievement of worthwhile goals, I started thinking backwards from things like, if I were to write my own eulogy or what's, what do I want on my tombstone? What, what's mm. the stuff that is going to make a lasting impression to the extent that exists on this world? What impact can I make on the world? And when you started that and you work backwards from, okay, what do I need to achieve over the next 20 years to, to have that happen? And then I break that down to what do I need to achieve this year to make mm -hmm. progress toward those goals. And then I realized the things I was doing, not all of them, but many of them 
really weren't on that path. So I was, you know, like a lot of lawyers, a lot of, not just lawyers, but a lot of high achievers, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was stuck on this path of, I'm running blind. I don't know where I'm going. So just run faster. And that seems so illogical, but that is exactly what we do. We just I have everything I want, but all of a sudden I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. And I just realized that to, to be the man I wanted to be, to be the father or husband that I needed to be, that I needed to reevaluate what I put up as, as important in life. I'm hearing several things from you. One thing, it sounds like you have a bigger picture vision for who you want to be known as, right? And so you're always working towards that vision, but it's in a vision that's never really truly achievable. You're just trying to always do better. How much do your values come into play when it comes to how you're, you know, living out this vision and how you're achieving these goals that you want to achieve? Because you didn't say values, what it very much sounds like somehow they're coming that to, to me, the coach's ear hears <laughs> there's values there that, that oh, he's no, trying to absolutely. fulfill. Absolutely. I, I um, and actually through our coaching, we, you know, we, we talked about values and mm -hmm. needs and values and the difference between them and things. And, and I realized that I wasn't using those words. I wasn't using things like values, but as I looked at the things that inspired me, the thing I, I really wanted to progress toward and started asking myself, why, you know, why do I want that? Mm -hmm. Or why do I want that? And I, I believe you were the one that taught me into doing that. You know, it's like the five whys. Why, do, why, is that <laughs> yes. why is that important? And I realized there was this, there was this theme that, that kind of kept coming back and there were these themes and they were, they were driven by, you know, things that are more fundamentally important to who I am and, and not what I am. I am a lawyer, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. um, a lawyer, I realize is just a tool for becoming who I am. That is true. Expressing who I am. That's I'm a good a way to put solver. it. I'm a problem solver. I'm a, I'm a, um, I love being valued and useful to other people. I'm a, a protector. I'm a nurturer. And I went, wow, that's what lawyers, well, good mm -hmm. lawyers. Or that's are. what you see your role as a lawyer, right? Because those are exactly. your values. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So yeah, your values, you didn't realize it, but they were the ones that were guiding you to Absolutely. make these different decisions. Now you say it's not a destination, mm -hmm. yet you talk about goals. Do you ever see this as it's more about how you're making decisions for yourself each and every day, how you're more like a way of living or being as opposed to achievement? Yes. I, you know, I, I, I do. I don't, I, I don't really think I haven't necessarily processed it that, that question before. Um, but yeah, I guess you do. I figured we made maybe a, you know, hundred decisions a day. If you really thought about it, I read somewhere that it's like 35,000 decisions a day, which I but you don't think, think about most insane. of them. Yeah, yeah. They're just in, involuntary things. And so, mm -hmm. cause we, we think about decisions. We think about where do I go to college? Who do I marry? Do I take this job? And those are decisions, but generally they're just like the last little piece of the decision. They're the, they're the handoff at the one yard line to fall into the goal line. The other 99 mm -hmm. yards are based on all the other decisions you got to get to that point that you didn't realize were big decisions because they weren't the ones you hang your coat on. So okay, that was the decision when in fact it might've been. So what is the interplay though, as you're looking at how you view success and you don't see it as a complete destination and you do include kind of your daily decision-making and aligning, it sounds like aligning, you know, the choices you're making each and every day with those values. I guess for you, it's probably phrased more like priorities, what's important, what, right. you know, but they're all values-based. 
how do you look back on your day if it's a successful day and, and determine and what is and is not successful? Right. Well, and, and when I say worthwhile goals, it's probably not the way most people use the word goals. I, I would say, you know, maybe worthwhile purpose or purposes or okay. probably a better way because I guess goals, I, I know that goals is a trigger word. There's targets, there's goals and everything else. And I, and I may be misusing the word goals because I'm, I know what it means to me. I like that because I think that makes more sense because then it is really about a way of living and about mm -hmm. just keeping your priorities front and center yeah, and filtering everything through it as you make your decisions. I would say that, so when I, when I processed uh, what was important to me, I had, I broke it down into several different things that I wanted to achieve and not so much achieve like across the finish line, but I wanted to be a person that does this. I want to be a person that nurtures other people. I want to be a, a, a person that is involved in uh, work that gives value and lets me help others. But those are not like a specific thing. It's not a specific job or a title or, you know, destination. Right. That's just a general principle or a general priority. And so those things led me to create goals that, that fit within those. Yes. So I, I am a very system based person. You, you and I have discussed this many times and I live <laughs> in the system. I, I have a lot of interest, but if I can build a system that's based on these true principles, these priorities, then I don't have to worry about today if I'm making progress toward those goals, because I work my way backwards from them to create my goals for this week. And I know that I'm moving toward those larger lifelong goals and lifelong priorities and, right. and principles that I have, because I did the time to work big picture down to, you know, from 20 years to five years to year to quarter to give myself a weekly list of things I need to accomplish. So there are achievements and accomplishments, right? We do have yeah. like destinations that we like pit stops, I like to, yes. to kind of say, but yeah. what I think you're saying is you have this bigger picture vision. You have what's important to you based on your values and what you really want to as close as you can get to this vision based on those values and what's important in your priorities. And because of that, you do set goals, but that's not the preeminent factor that determines your success. It's what are your decisions? Am I keeping the things that are important and priorities to me really in mind as I'm making these decisions? That really defines success more than whether you check the box and get every single pit stop along the way. Is that true? No, absolutely. Okay. Um, that that's that's a that's a good way to put it because you know the, the goals. Are, I, I'm I'm never going to not be achievement driven, and there's nothing wrong with achievement. <laughs> I don't think there's, there's a lawyer out there yeah. who's not going to be achievement driven. <laughs> I, I'm competitive, and and I've realized what's great though is I'm, I'm I've learned to be a little more healthy in my competition and to not compete with other people to compete with yesterday's me, you know, to compete with my vision of my perfect self, which I know I'll never become. I use this analogy with my children. I say, look, when you were born, there was, this, imagine a marble statue that exists uh, that's your perfection. And it can exist, but it's, you know, it's always out of reach. And say, but, but you don't see it. You just see this lump of marble. And yeah. every day of your life, you just have to chip away and chip away until you can get closer and closer to that perfect vision, that maximum version of yourself. And that's your only real competition. If you really yeah. think about it, because why, why, why do I care what the lawyer in the next cubicle or the next office or the next firm does? Because they're not me. The thing I'm noticing, though, the way you measure your success definition mm -hmm. and you look at your goals, like the things, the achievement based stuff that you kind of try to get along the way. The thing I want to highlight about that and why this matters and I think how this helps people is ultimately when it comes to achieving goals we don't have full control. 
like we're not going to achieve every single goal we we set for ourselves all the time because it's not always possible right Mm -hmm. if you have a revenue goal for your business and a global pandemic hits (laughs) that cuts your ability to do the work you like to do for a four-month period you may not hit that revenue goal that year because of that right there are things out of your control you cannot always meet your goals regardless of what you put into it but you can control you you control how you respond and you can make that situation better or worse based on how you're acting Mm -hmm. when you have this bigger vision and you have your priorities and everything's clear and that's how you define success in my perspective it makes it easier to navigate through those difficulties and makes it easier for you to say you know what i didn't achieve x y or z but i still did my best and i can be happy with that and so not that you didn't want to achieve it but Mm -hmm. you're not as down on yourself over it because you did what you can and it also gives you reason not to make as many excuses and to just get back up and do more does that make sense yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that that has come for me out of this whole, you know, this whole process, this journey, and I, and I say it's a journey. I'm not, yeah, I'm not there. You know, none of us really are. I'm constantly, you know, struggling with things, hoping to get better, and looking at, you know, five years from now, I'll be looking back at where I am now and kind of cringe, like, wow, I was, I thought I was had it all figured out, and I didn't. But the biggest thing I've learned to this point is to give yourself a little bit of grace, mm. you know, and to, you know. You, you, yes, I want to achieve and yes, you want to move forward and reach your goals. But one of the things I do with my goals is my big time goals are, they're always up for debate. You know, even the, even, and then certainly the quarterly goals and the, and the annual goals, they're always up for debate. And like you said, you know, things change. You think the, the old analogy of the tree, right? The, the too brittle tree, when the winds come, that just snaps it in half. You can't be so brittle that you don't bend. But if you don't have deep enough roots, it, the wind will blow you over too. Mm-hmm. So you have to have deep roots, but you also have to be able to, you know, to sway a little bit in the breeze and bend a little bit without losing who you fundamentally are. This actually reminds me of last year. So for those of you who don't know this, I run masterminds for attorneys who want to build a bigger book of business. And Jim was in a mastermind last year when COVID hit. And what's interesting about what you just said is last year is a perfect example of that for you. Because you came into the mastermind with very clear goals Mm -hmm. that not too much long later, because of COVID and some things that you were seeing, you realized, whoa, I need to change some of these. Like Mm -hmm. I need to revisit it because circumstances have changed. And it, it totally opened up a whole new path for you where you started, you know, you're very entrepreneurial and you started this Mm -hmm. company that you started. And so it, it allows you the ability to change more quickly and more efficiently, I think. Yeah, I mean, going back to the analogy, you know, if if you trust in your roots and you realize that the short-term goals are just short-term goals of a bigger picture, of bigger principles, bigger lifelong things, what that actually liberates you a little bit because you're not bound by those goals. You're not stuck with them and like, oh, Mm -hmm. I failed those goals. Yeah, I didn't get those goals, but this other opportunity arose. This, This other challenge, I mean, whether, a lot of things that have changed in the last two or three years have resulted from, uh, well, COVID actually led to some opportunities for me because I, that pushed me to start a business that I had mm-hmm. thought about, but wasn't in any hurry to do. But I'm like, wow, now there's an opportunity there. And ha- if I were rigid and I'm like, well, it's not on my sheet of goals. I can't do that. I don't have time <laughs> for that. Well, I'm like, throw out the stuff. Cause I, I come back to the key word for me is essential. 
what is essential to me? You know, what, what are these? And I guess you would define that as essential as, you know, something that, that, that speaks to your values, that speaks mm-hmm. to your, your fundamental principles. And so I think of the essential areas of life. Um, and I think that, that I have, you know, there's multiple ones. I don't want to be great at anything. Because if you to be great at anything, you study anybody who's been great, they generally suck at lots of other stuff. Right. right? <clears throat> and I don't want to be horrible at doing too much. I want to be really good at a handful of essential things mm. and then get rid of everything else. And I've found that if you're somewhat disciplined in doing that, you can do a lot of things and be very good at a lot of things uh, as long as you don't take on stuff you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> as long as you get rid of non-essential right. things. And right. so going, going back to that sort of the opportunities that came through COVID uh, or came through the challenges of the last couple of years, I realized that some of these opportunities that came to me and we're, we always have opportunities. If you're not looking and you're mixing up, you have opportunities if you're willing to look for them. Um, sometimes opportunities come disguised as failures or they come disguised as challenges or they just come disguised as stress, um, mm-hmm. but they are, are often opportunities and these opportunities come to you and whether or not you decide to take them is if it's something I want to do. And if it's something that is essential and fulfills that those one of those lifelong goals, those the purpose that I, you know, one of the, the main purposes that I, I want to achieve in my life. And if something like that comes along, I'm I, I look at it very carefully and I have to say, okay, well, this isn't on my list of goals. This isn't what I want to do, but this is kind of more important than a lot of those other goals. So it slides right into the top. And then I just reevaluate. Flexibility and fluidity are, are very important, I think, to if you're going to set goals in the short term, and I think, and I absolutely have to have short-term goals, or I just wander aimlessly. Right. So I need short-term goals, but I also need that flexibility and coming back. And are those goals still relevant? Are are they things that are still important to me? It's only a failure if you don't try to, you know, execute and then don't don't adjust as you need to. Okay, so yes. you've really kind of shown for people what I mean by living out your values, and that success is about a way of living and how to filter it through these kind of principles, values, priorities, whatever you want to call them, as opposed to just being primarily achievement-based and always, you know, defining success based on whether or not you meet these metrics, right? Right. The next thing I want to ask you is what tends to get in your way? What do you struggle with most when it comes to fulfilling what your version of success is? There are two real sources of struggles. There's an external and internal uh, the external struggles are things like COVID or, you know, a, a, a job change or, or something going on in your life that, that just floors you, just kind of takes away your focus. But I found that most of those, uh, well, first of all, they're limited. They're, they're relatively speaking, compared to the internal <laughs> struggles, the external struggles are relatively limited. I can't do anything about a lot of those. I can just react to them and then try to put them in their place and, and make decisions about them, you know, through my filter, through the, the values mm-hmm. and the goals that I have. Um, so those generally aren't my biggest challenges. It's the internal stuff. You know, it's the, it's that monster in the closet that I've been managed to do all this work to kind of, you know, get boxed in and get it out of to where it's influencing my daily life. But it's always looking for ways to get out of that closet and start nipping at me. That little voice, that competitive voice inside me, that hardwired achievement oriented voice, the, uh, the scoreboarding voice in me that says, mm-hmm. well, look what he did, look what they're doing. Um, you know, you jump on Facebook and you, and you see somebody's greatest hits and then they've got this achievement, that achievement. And you're like, oh, um, that's not me. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> and then you start questioning yourself, you know, and, that, and that's, that's, that's a very common, common struggle. So my biggest struggle is myself, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the same things that, 
made me as successful as I am in the, even in the objective standard, relatively successful, but certainly internally and, and subjectively successful, those things, those same characteristics that I have can be my undoing if they're left unfettered, you know, and mm-hmm. unchecked. And those, those, you know, the desire to, to do stuff that, you know, the interest, uh, I guess another one is because I have a lot of interests, I, I um, can lose focus from time to time. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I have to, I have to struggle sometimes with, am I doing too much? Am I doing things that shouldn't be on my list of to do's? Am I doing things that aren't essential? Um, because if I'm doing something, I only have so many minutes in the day. I don't, and of those 35,000 choices, I don't want to make too many bad ones. And because right. um, I can get more money, I can get more of this, I can get more of that, but I can't get more time. And so mm-hmm. if I'm not using my time wisely, I'm robbing myself of something that is a finite you know, concept. I don't know how much I have. That's even worse, right? You don't know how much time you actually have. So how, but okay. So we all struggle with that, right? We know what our priorities are. We know what we really want to be doing. And yet we get distracted by other things and we get unfocused and we look back on our day and we say, God, why did I spend time doing X, Y, and Z and not this, which was really my priority. I think one of the bigger issues a lot of us have is recognizing when it's happening as opposed to we see it after the fact and then we can't go back and change that, right? So how do you catch yourself? Yeah, you know, part of it is, I, I, you know, I start with my goals and I build these systems and I, and I use technology to give myself like weekly to-dos, my scorecard. And when that, the scorecard is a big deal for me because I've, I've divided my essential areas of life into kind of eight areas. And for me, achieving balance means that I'm not neglecting any of those eight areas. And it's, you know, my, uh, my faith, my family, my, my firm, all these kind of, they all start with an F because I, I like, you know, phonetic things. It's mm-hmm. my F8, my fate, right? And I have a scorecard that I keep track of. It's based, it's quarterly, set quarterly as far as the goals I have. Um, and then I keep track of it. If I'm noticing a trend week to week that a certain okay. couple of areas are being neglected, then I'm like, wait a minute, I need to focus on this or I need to reevaluate, do I really, are these really goals that I have that I do? Am I doing the right thing in this area? Um, those are, I guess, prospective ways, you know, I, I'm not getting it too far out of, out of control. Mm-hmm. But, so you but, use tools and systems yes. to not allow yourself to get and, well, too far astray, basically. Those are my kind of regular ones. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have found external sources have been useful too. Um, you know, the mastermind and the coaching uh, were probably the biggest thing. I, I got a lot out of the coaching and the mastermind, but the biggest thing I got out of both was the, the accountability, you know, that, that there mm-hmm. was somebody I could talk to about this that was going to ask me to commit to something. And then I had to answer that. It was something that, you know, and, and I started doing that a little bit more to myself and that's where the scoreboard is and the scorecard and stuff. But, um, you know, having somebody to, uh, and you don't always have to be a coach or a mastermind. It could be a friend or somebody that you trust that you can rely yep. on. And I do have that in my life as well, but sometimes you don't want to talk about some things with those people. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's why how coaching came in handy or the mastermind <laughs> came in handy, particularly with some of your challenges are related to your law practice. And one of my accountability partners is my law partner. He's a good friend of mine. Um, but I don't necessarily want to talk to him about challenges I might be having within that space. And right. some of the things I may be challenged with would be in my family life or whatever. And I don't want to talk to my wife, who is my accountability partner with a lot of other things. But maybe so you, I don't want to talk to her about but that. But you always ensure you have that. You have your tools. You have your systems. And then you have structural support. Yes. And that structural support is people. Mm-hmm. And you ensure you are constantly checking in with various groups because you have different, and this is true for anybody. And I want everybody to really think about this and ensure you have this because I think it's necessary. 
you need somebody in your personal life. You probably need several somebodies. You need one or two mentors. You need, you know, professional colleagues that you trust. You need people in all areas that are your structural support systems that can say, hey, you're getting out of alignment here. And that's not how they say it, but, you know, they'll see when you're struggling and they can, and you need to talk to them and set up the systems for them to say, whoa, whoa, you you wanted me to make you aware of this. Here's what's going on. Because they can tell you a lot of times they'll see it before you will. No, that's that's true. And honestly, as as a lawyer, as a man, as a high achiever, that was challenging. That was challenging to, because when you ask somebody to keep you on your toes and, and that you need some help or I need help is the, are the three hardest words a man can ever utter, but they're probably the most powerful things you, you can know, say. And I know men have this ego thing going, right? And I think especially for, <laughs> especially no. for male lawyers, oh, yeah. that being said, I don't know that it's as different as you think for women. I think there's a women struggle with this too. Maybe it is more accepted socially, like societally for women to ask for help. I think sometimes, I think it depends on when you're asking for help, how you're asking for help and who. Mm-hmm. But I do think women struggle with it too. So it, it's it's good to hear that, yeah, that sucked because you it's hard, but yet you did it <laughs> anyway, right? But this is why I say go to people you trust. But there's also personal accountability. I use not only the scorecard, but I, I built rituals. You know, one of the things that's very important for me is, you know, some people like a, a morning ritual and an evening ritual. I have not got a mm-hmm. consistent evening ritual, but every morning I get up a little early. I tend to, uh, if I can, I'll sit down and I'll write in a journal just for a few minutes. And it's not my dear diary from my, I'm a teenage girl or whatever. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is me. This is what I want to do today. This is what's going on. This is what my struggle, you know, what I, what I think is going to be a challenge. Here's what I'm excited about. Things like that. Something to kind of get my mind thinking about the day, but then I go on a walk. Some people meditate. I don't know if you, you know, somebody who teaches meditation would call what I'm doing meditation, but I consider it meditation because it does center me. It's about a quarter mile long each way. And then uh, it's out to a little pasture, um, to a dock. And I generally, if I've got headphones on or if I'm thinking about work or what I'm doing that day, when I make the turn onto that little path, I shut all that down. Mm-hmm. And I only think about, I, I do things like, okay, what are, what are three things I can smell? What can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? That's a mindfulness exercise. So, yeah. I, and so I, and what that does is it gets me out of all that, you know, thinking about my day. So that whole, that period from that end to the dock to back is probably only 15 minutes. And that is, that 15 minutes is just for me. That mm-hmm. 15 minutes is not me planning my day. It's not me worried about goals or expectations or, or stress or anything else. Um, and it really simplifies. It gives me a little perspective. And I take that energy back into my day when I go home and I'm ready most days. And, and if, you know, some days I can't do it, but I don't quite feel right if it, if it goes two or three days uh, without my, my ritual. So I, I use that journal and that, that centering to kind of get me on task for the day. See, uh, I love that you me mentioned this that we hadn't even like prepared to talk about this necessarily, but we have very naturally gone from what success means to what balance means to you. Mm-hmm. And you stay balanced by these rituals and some mindfulness activities, which I did talk about recently. I'll put that episode <laughs> in the show notes. And you've shown though how easy it is to do this and how, I mean, you have a lot of things that you do right? Mm -hmm. And you're very busy. And yet you still find a way most days to put 15 minutes just for you. This is self-care y'all that balances you, that centers you, that gets your day started right. And it's so simple and it's so easy. And 
I think people tend to overestimate the amount of time they have to spend on self-care so that they can feel good and be mm -hmm. more balanced. And you really don't have to spend as much time as you think. I mean, yeah, it's good to exercise and do all these things, right? But this is an example of something very simple that you could do that you could put into your daily life. I always tell my clients, start with just 10 or 15 minutes a day. Anybody, I don't care how busy you are, can find and make time for that. And this is one of those ways. So I'm glad you got into that. We're kind of getting towards the end, but I wanted to ask, you've got a lot that's going on, obviously. You're in a lot of different activities. You obviously found a way to balance it, but you've got to feel overwhelmed from time to time, right? Mm -hmm. What What do you do when that happens? Yeah, you know, I, I we all get overwhelmed. And most of the time, it's you know, surprises that overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're overwhelmed by stuff you're expecting, you, you clearly have got too much on your plate. The first thing I do when I when I feel overwhelmed is or I try to be when I is try to notice it is, mm -hmm. is to go, wow, okay, what's going on here? I'm I'm being irritable. The, the important thing is to realize that's what's going on. That basically it, it, I realize, okay, what is it that's making me overwhelmed? Do I not have enough time to do what I want to do, or am I doing too much stuff that I don't want to do? Which seems like the same thing, but it's not. Mm. Um, I'm saying, yeah, it usually means I'm drifting from my essentials, drifting from the priorities, and I'm saying yes to too many things. Uh, I'm not saying no enough. And that's for people who like me, who struggle my whole life to be the guy that everybody comes to, that everybody can count on, uh, whether it's my clients, my family, my HOA, whatever, that I love being valuable. We're people Sometimes, pleasers for that reason. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. We, 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 we want to be liked, but we also want to be needed, you know, and mm -hmm. we want to be useful. And in doing that, sometimes we overcommit. So um, you notice, you become more aware, you ask questions, yeah. Yeah. you identify. Mm -hmm. If you find that you've said yes to too many things, how do you deal with that? Do you just go back and say, okay, I can't, and you push stuff off or renegotiate? You know, I, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. A lot of times it's, is it, is it something that's going to end quickly? Okay. Can I get this done and get it out and just don't do it again. Don't make the same mistake. Um, I obviously don't want to do something that's going to leave somebody else in a lurch or leave somebody, you know, hurt. And let's, yeah, I feel like I've got to solve the problem. Even if I'm no longer the solution, I need to help mm -hmm. find the, uh, find a solution. I'm not just going to leave somebody hanging if I've committed to something. A big thing that drove all this, the, the balance, the, the prioritization, uh, you know, is I can't be the father I need to be, the man I need to be, unless I'm healthy. You talked about mm. self-care. If I'm not right in my head, in my spirit, in my, my, my body, I can't bring my A game. And my kids, my community, my life, my wife, they need me operating at my best. And the only way to operate at my best is to take care of myself. I mean, if you need, if your car is your source to get to your job, get all the way around. You've got to get that oil changed. You've got to get gas in it. You've got to keep it clean. I mean, your, your mind and body and spirit are all your vehicle to, to deliver all the things you want to deliver in this life. And if you don't take care of it, you know, you're so, and getting overwhelmed is one of those things that, that can stress you out. It can burn you out and you take that out on people and you, so, you, you but out. are you, okay. Are you saying though, that sometimes when you're overwhelmed, what you're really seeing is that you've been not taking care of yourself because you've gotten so busy. And so you're having to find time then, okay, I need to A, reprioritize. But part of that reprioritization is one of my priorities is me and my health. Yes. I guess the, the, the short answer is, yeah, what you, the way you described it, that, that's exactly it. I mean, if, if, you, if you've allowed that to happen, you know, being overwhelmed, trying to be too much to too many people, letting yourself getting overwhelmed, the reason I give myself permission to say no 
is because I have to operate on all cylinders. I have to not be overwhelmed. Right. I have to not be stressed. And so that's sort of my my permission and my in, in, inspiration and my requirement to say, no, I got to go back. And what I do is I go back, is this essential? Is this a priority for me? Is this something I need to be doing? And if it's not, I need to to find a way to extricate myself from it as painlessly to others as I can, as quickly right. as I can. And because I owe it to myself to take care of myself because I owe it to my family and to everyone else, because they need, they need a game gym. <laughs> they don't right. need B game gym. That's not good enough for me or them. So when you've gotten in that space, yes, it is exactly kind of what we've been saying. And you're also saying so that I don't get into this space so that mm -hmm. I don't get, this is how you prevent yourself from being overwhelmed is prioritize really well and make sure you are one of your top priorities. Absolutely. I have a two-part series on prioritization. It's funny because we didn't plan it this way, but people are going <laughs> to, you're going to want to go listen to that because there's a mindset that you need to adopt to be able to prioritize properly. And then you need to know how to prioritize properly. So that's what the two-part series is. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. I wish okay. you let me listen to it before we spoke. Well, it's not officially <laughs> out yet. So All right, well, good. at I'm the sure time of this recording. Okay. So we're going to get to our last question here because we've gone, we've gone pretty long here. If you were advising a colleague or a friend who's in need of more direction with figuring out what their version of success is, you know, they've, mm -hmm. they've listened to this, they like the idea, but they're not quite sure how to figure it out for themselves. What would you tell them? Um, and this is a great question because um, I, I really do hope somebody listening is, you know, if they are struggling, they are willing to do that. And uh, the first thing I would tell them to do, and this is the immediate deal, this is, this is stop comparing yourself. And then you have to accept that you're going to need to not just make a couple of tweaks. The chances are, if you're like I was, and like most of my attorney colleagues or other professionals, male or female, you're going to have to rebuild your perspective. And it's a mm -hmm. process. You have to accept that you don't have all the answers. You're probably going to need to start asking better questions of yourself. And you may need some help for that, you know, with that. And uh, another thing I would tell you is that it's not going to be instantaneous. If you're willing to do the work for the long haul, and I, and I mean, you know, weeks, months, you're, you're going to get improvement very quickly, but it is going to be a process. This is the big one is get help. You know, maybe for me, it was, I started with, you know, reading some books on um, not so much self-help per se, but mindfulness and on minimalism and on stoic philosophy and things that just kind of help turn my perspective away from the external and more to the internal. But I, I do think that and everybody's a little bit different, but it, had I accepted help from a coach sooner, it might have accelerated it a little bit. I think that's definitely a, a, a steroid, um, <laughs> particularly for people that are, um, you know, not sure where to start. And others, you know, it, it, maybe they turn more to their faith. I mean, every single faith out there, whichever faith you have, is going to take you outside of this objective standard of success. And it's going to make yep. you focus on things that are more eternal and things that are more, you know, more subjective and less objective and things. So, Get help from, from uh, external sources, and the the best help you could probably get would be from you know from a coach, or and then maybe you move on from that to things like masterminds and, and things mm -hmm. with your because I think you know as, as you expressed you know your mastermind was was and even our coaching was you know objectively supposed to be about practice development and we did that but there was a lot more that came out of that because so much of practice development is discipline in all these other areas. And making sure mm -hmm. you can stay focused in all these other areas and making sure they're working. So other things will come out, even if you're only working with, a, if it's the right coach, the right situation. And the same thing happens with masterminds too. So um, those are all and, tools. And I want to be use. clear. I did not tell Jim to say any of this, but there are so many great coaches out there. 
Um, and it may not have to be a coach either. The point of getting help from other people, though, is A, it needs to be somebody you trust who will listen to you and not just tell you what to do. Because a lot of the benefit of what coaching gives people, and sometimes you can find this if you have really great mentors, is people just to listen and ask really tough questions to get you out of your head so that you can get more clear around what's really going on in your head and then make some real decisions. Because what happens is we tend to get stuck in our own heads and that inner voice you talked about earlier, the, the critic that we all have, starts to get involved and it just kind of puts you on this repetitive scenario where you can't ever make a decision. You get into analysis paralysis. And that's the point of getting help from outside sources is to get you out of that so that you can actually move on. Because at the end of the day, it's really just about making some decisions and moving on. And they may not be perfect decisions, but they're going to get you moving <laughs> much more quickly. And you learn from that and you course correct as you go. So this has been wonderful. I'm glad to have had you on as our first official guest. Um, so honored. I'm so honored. And, <laughs> and I would, I'm glad you didn't tell me until I got on here. I would have had so much pressure. <laughs> but this was great. This was a great, it's just a great conversation. It's always great talking with you, Heather. Well, thank you. All right. Well, that's it for for now. And and hopefully we'll find a way to have Jim back on in the future. I look forward to it. I very much hope that you enjoyed this interview with Jim. I know I loved having him here. Here are a couple of things that I really wanted to point out and that I hope that you really take away from this episode. So number one, Jim is an example of what it means to live by your own values, your priorities, your principles. You can use whatever verbiage you want, but that's pretty much what he's done. And how to redefine success for yourself and why that's so important. And at the end of the day, here's what it does for you. Number one, it allows you to give yourself a little bit more grace so that you can learn as you go because it's an ever-evolving and changing definition. You have this big-picture vision that you're always working towards that changes as your circumstances change, that change as you learn and grow and become different because that's what's going to happen. That's what happens to humans, right? And so it's not perfect and it doesn't demand perfection either, which means that when you live this way, it's a lot easier to be happy and feel more fulfilled. So that that's definitely something I want you to take away from it. The other thing is this is how you have a more balanced life. You get to define what balance means. It's not about that seesaw that we all envision, that we all strive for. And that's why so few of us ever actually feel balanced because we're going about it all the wrong ways. I talked about this back in episode three and I'll link to that in the show notes. But when you live according to what you value, what your real priorities are, and what's really important to you, then you get off that seesaw. And you stop trying to attain something that's just impossible. Another thing that I'd like to highlight here is he showed why self-care isn't selfish and that men and women both should be taking care of themselves, okay? Because when you accept that you need to be your best in order to serve others to the best of your ability, it gives you permission to take better care of yourself, and not just better care of yourself, but to absolutely prioritize your own self-care. And he also was a perfect example as to how simple self-care can be. And I hope to soon talk about how to start simplifying self-care even more. But 
his walk, his daily morning walk, where he practices some mindfulness, and that could be considered a form of mindful meditation, by the way, is a perfect example. You know, 15, 20 minutes a day is all is what he absolutely needs to feel well. It's physically rejuvenating, but it's also helping his mental health. And it's these types of simple activities that really do make a difference. And if you haven't listened to my episode on mindfulness and how to utilize mindfulness for stress, not just stress management, but stress prevention and as a form of mental self-care, then I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. And I will link to that episode in the show notes as well. Finally, and most importantly, I think for attorneys at least and other high achievers out there, is he highlights the importance of getting help. And not just asking for help when you feel overwhelmed and when you most need it, but setting up structural support within your life to help you be your best, feel your best, to be there to tell you, hey, you're getting off track, right? We all need this. Something to note, human beings are meant to connect. We are hardwired to connect with other human beings, and we need one another. And so I want to make sure you have that structural support within your personal life and within your professional life. So your personal life, it's often more obvious. But you need this within your professional life too. And you need it, you need more than one person that you can go to. You need peers and colleagues that you trust that are kind of on the same level. But you also need mentors. So make sure you have that. Coaching is one option, but it doesn't, you don't always have to have a coach. And regardless of whether you ever utilize coaching, even those who do, you're not always going to have a coach. So regardless of whether you have a coach or not, or you're interested in coaching, you want to have that structural support system with people in your life already. And if you don't have the right people, seek them out, find them, get your mentors, okay? All right, that is it for today. I very much hope you got a lot out of this episode. I know that I did. I always get a lot from Jim when I'm talking to him. I find him very wise. Before I go, if you would like, help yourself. Please note that I am currently accepting applications for the Thrive Attorney Mastermind, which is specifically for shareholders, partners, and of counsel who want to grow their business. As Jim mentioned in this episode, it is about you know, the development of your book of business, but it is about more than that also. It's about your personal development as well. And so if that sounds interesting to you, I do suggest that you check it out and apply. I will have a link to it in the show notes. Also, if a group thing isn't your thing or you're not quite sure if the mastermind is right for you, we should chat um, because I also work one-on-one with people as well. And if you're not sure what a mastermind is, you are in luck because next week, that's exactly what we're getting into. All right, that's it for today. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.